Welcome to the Faith Element Podcast for the May 22, 2022 session, focusing on Revelation 21, verse 10, through chapter 22, verse 5. A city without a temple. I'm David Cassidy. I'm Nikki Hardiman. I'm Burt Montgomery. And I'm Daniel Glaze. Our listeners won't know that I just botched the uh, the lead-in for this about five times. <laughs> <laughs> the wonders of editing. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, well, instead of a lead-in question today, I, I just wanted to share a little bit. Um, a lot of our, our congregations are, are able to return to in-person worship. Hopefully, you're also still continuing to welcome those who, who attend and participate virtually. But for those of us who are enjoying being back together in person, um, that also means that worship planning has returned uh, in a way that really wasn't possible for some of the services during the pandemic. Obviously, as a listener of this podcast, you're aware of our Bible study curriculum at faithelement.net. But you may not be aware that we also have a worship resource collection at faithelement.net. This follows the Revised Common Lectionary, although unlike the Bible study resource, it really looks at all the different passages that are part of the lectionary. So regardless of which one you are choosing, that, that you, you have some resource options. And so the uh, it provides ideas for hymns, for anthems, litanies, prayers, uh, and more. All of these things uh, related to the focus of the lectionary text for that Sunday, um, hopefully providing you not only with some convenience for worship planning, but also really good quality resources. Uh, the prayers, the litanies, uh, these, are, these are often unique pieces that are written by very creative writers, that are also trying to craft worship for their community. So uh, it's if you go to faithelement.net, you'll see right there on the homepage, there's two options. One is for Bible study, one is for worship resources. I hope you'll go there and check it out. We have uh, a lot of samples for the worship resources area, so you can see what that looks like, how it works. And then if you decide to subscribe, it's huge. It's a very expensive resource at $3.99 a month. Hmm. Yeah. So give it a look. <laughs> Buy it for your, uh, subscribe for your pastor, your music minister, uh, those who help plan worship. Uh, I think it's a great resource and hope you'll give it a look and a try. Again, that's faithelement.net. Well, we are wrapping up our time. Is this our last session in Revelation? I think it is, isn't it? We've had a really interesting journey, and I have to say, I'm glad that we have been in Revelation. At first, when I saw it, I was like, oh, that's going to be, that's going to be tricky. But it's really been, I think, an incredibly relevant uh, journey that we've had together. So, Daniel, would you help get us started on this one today? I'll try. So when I did my Bible introduction on the first passage that we were studying in Revelation, yes, a month ago, I admitted my struggle to understand what's happening in Revelation. I mentioned there's a lot of strange imagery, references to places we may be unaware of and the like. I also admitted, and we've talked about this on several podcasts, that one of the reasons that this book of the Bible is so confusing, for me at least, is because I am not Revelation's intended audience. John is writing to seven churches in Asia. 
after all. And these churches were poor, on the margin, persecuted by the imperial leaders in Rome. Yeah, I don't identify with any of those hardships. And I argued then, and I still maintain now, that even though I may not be the original intended audience for the book of Revelation, I do believe it is the word of God for us today. So that means I believe that my privilege doesn't let me off the hook. Just as much as I need to read Revelation, perhaps I need to let Revelation read me, my own life, the way I am living, and allow me to understand the goodness and grace of God for all people in and through this scripture. So through that lens, today's scripture passage is especially relevant. Some scholars have even called this passage, Revelation 21 and 22, the summit, the peak, the high point of scripture. John here describes a vision of Jerusalem, the holy city, coming down out of heaven from God. It is a radiant city, John says, with beautiful walls and gates and foundations. The walls are made of jasper while the city itself is filled with gold. The foundations are jewels like jasper, emerald, sapphire, and more. The gates are pearls. The streets are gold. Listening to many Christians today, they interpret this passage to be describing heaven, what it looks like. We even talk about the pearly gates as if they are part of heaven. We look forward to walking the streets made of gold. But I don't think John is describing the physical attributes of heaven, but rather what life will be like in the New Jerusalem. The way John talks about heaven, it seems to stand in stark contrast to the cities of the Roman Empire because this new Jerusalem will be vibrant, abundant, filled with God's people. And while we might scoff at heaven having gates, even if they are made of pearl, John tells us these gates are always open. That means, therefore, these gates are not there for security. They are there to proclaim openness and welcome. And the gold that fills the city, I don't believe that's so much a reference to God's opulence, because John says the gold here is clear as glass. And that makes me wonder if gold in eternity is not like the gold here on earth, something we fight over and lust after. New Jerusalem shall be a place of welcome. Verse 25, the gates are never shut by day, there will be no night there. So welcoming is heaven, John says, that even the foreigners are invited to come in. Now that's interesting to me, because many of us today see heaven as a most exclusive country club, with membership only available to those who attend the right church, use the right words, baptized in the right way, think the right thoughts. But John tells us that nations will walk into the city, walking in the light of God, the lamp which is the Lamb. And this idea of nothing unclean entering the city, that's not so much about keeping people out as it is God removing all manner of uncleanliness from us all. Last, John says, there's no temple in heaven. For in this city of New Jerusalem, instead of a temple, God's people and God's presence fill the city. No need to go somewhere to worship, for God and God's children will live together in close relationship. 
and that in itself is our worship. This is all beautiful imagery of the new Jerusalem, heaven, the life to come. And I have to admit that so much of Christianity, it seems, is a kind of escape from the current world. That is, as our eyes are fixed toward eternity, we ignore our present reality. What do we do about this? Pope Francis engages this question, citing actually this particular passage from Revelation. Even now, Francis writes, we are journeying toward the Sabbath of eternity. I love that language, by the way, the Sabbath of eternity. The new Jerusalem toward our common home in heaven. Jesus says, I will make all things new. Then he says, Francis writes, in the meantime, however, we come together to take charge of this home, which has been entrusted to us. In my mind, that means that while we have hope for eternity, we can leave the details of eternity to God. While we partner today with God and one another to bring about the kind of justice and wholeness and healing that God desires for us today. That's a little background on our text for today. Daniel, thank you um, for helping us to um, visualize what was in the text. You helped me to imagine with my own internal eye um, what this new heaven and new earth might look like and maybe even what it might feel like um, to be there. Um, I latched on to something that you said about the gold. You said that maybe the gold and the jewels are not the same as what we have on earth. It's not something that we lust after and fight over. And, and I think that for me, it started me thinking about how I can imagine that this new heaven or this new Jerusalem is a place of plenty where mm-hmm. no one lacks anything. And it made me think about something I heard at um, one of my kids' schools. My daughter, she went to, um, she was attending a middle school and we were there for orientation. And we happened to be in a county where they give all the students um, Chromebooks to use uh, for their studies and the things that they have to do in school. And it was a fairly new program when she started there. And the principal was talking and said, you know, before this, we would allow students to bring their own devices to school. And um, we had a lot of theft. You know, kids would take other kids' phones and laptops, as you can imagine happens in middle school. But she said, once we got the Chromebooks, it all stopped. There was no more Hmm. theft and taking of one another's devices. And it, it made me realize like that was in a little bitty middle school. (laughs) It was a picture of, it was a picture of heaven. It was a picture of what happens when we share all the resources equally. And it's a reminder that in God's world, there is always enough, enough of whatever the resource is, whether it's love or food or joy or support, there's just always enough. 
And I'm not sure that I could imagine a more heavenly place than a place where everybody got what they needed. So thanks. That's interesting, Nikki, because I, I you brought up something I don't know that I fully thought through. There's a world of difference when you're talking about this passage and its description. There's a world of difference between opulence and abundance. Yes, absolutely. You know? Absolutely. And, and so I don't I don't know where where I'm going with this, but the th- this idea that the that the gold that is that is part of this heavenly description is not there for us to ooh and awe ah over, not for someone to to steal or lust after, but it's it's transparent, transparent mm. as glass. Mm. I may be totally misinterpreting this, but I I wonder if that's so that we can see one another. Oh, you know that we that we it's it's not something that you know shiny like gold that just reflects our own self but but we see through mm-hmm. to one another to other people to other situations it's different that i guess that's why i was saying that all of the, the way john's writing we we take it to mean this is what heaven is going to look like yeah and and i just don't think that's it i think it's this is who we're going to be mm-hmm. this is what god wants us to be like to one another yeah yeah. And I'll just say as a disclaimer, because I don't know what revelation means, <laughs> my whole interpretation could be so far off. So oh, take it no. with a grain of salt. No, I, I think I think you're faithful to the text yeah. in the way that you talk about it. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and, and isn't it great that it's not a well-defined blueprint mm-hmm. or photograph? Because I, I think in part the hope of of John in Revelation is to spur the imagination of a people who need hope, who need to know there are possibilities different than what they're experiencing right now. And how wonderful to throw this kind of cryptic jewel encrusted (laughs) vision and let people's minds work on that or their hearts and to be able to have something uh, that they too, I mean, I think for all of us probably left alone, it's a pleasant thing to think about what a new earth might be like that was not going to bring tears and suffering. You know, that that's a fun exercise. Listening to y'all talk, this has been amazing. Acknowledging I'm going to take it out of the context of, of um, being for oppressed people for a moment. You know, the, the old saying that we, we create God in our own image and we create, you know, we want a Jesus that looks like us. Maybe so much of our, at least the the ideas of heaven that I'm familiar with in in Southern and American Protestantism is a a projection of how we want the best life on earth for us. We like, this is our domain, and we like our fences, we like our gates, we like to keep all the other people out. And so we've got an idea of heaven where there are gates and the gates are closed and only the right kind of people get in, my kind of people get in, your kind of people stay out, right? And, but John is taking, John allows us a chance to allow God to create us in the image so that everything we consider important is now, um, you know, pavement, (laughs) 
<laughs> and yes, gates are open. Yes, there are gates, but they're wide open, and nobody's going to stay out. Uh, anybody can come in. And then if that can transform us, how we live on this earth, instead of making heaven a reflection of how we want to live on this earth, it's allowing us to live on this earth as it will be in heaven. And to open the gates, and you mentioned abundance, and you it's just seeing through the stuff we lust after and seeing others. This is just I'm rambling based on things I that came to mind as y'all were talking. You know, I think, especially when we get to this part of the book of Revelation, that John really was an artist. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, because I think that when you're trying to inspire people's imagination, um, the very nature of it being imaginations means not everybody's going to come up with the same meaning of mm -hmm of what they see and it, what they see in the words that John writes or in the words that John speaks. And, and, and I think in reality, it is all of our interpretations that begin to help make up a fuller picture of what it might be. Um, but what I see and what you see um, and what they see and, you know, and what we see all kind of comes together in in a picture that begins to mm. give us an idea. Well, as I was reading this passage and, and considering our discussion today, I kept thinking, you know, what's a what's a modern you know modern text that has the same mood and and perhaps even some of the same goals as as Revelation does that that it speaks to the imagination of a better future that God is helping craft and, and beckons us toward that and, and asks us to hang on and to help build that future. Um, and, and I couldn't help but think about uh, Martin Luther King Jr.'s letter from a Birmingham jail. And this letter is, is interesting because he's not just painting a picture of the future for for black uh, for black Americans, but but also for he's speaking to white churches as well, and and so there's there's a word to all of us who are part of this journey together. So here here's this. It's just an excerpt from from the letter. You, it's a short letter, so you ought to read it if you haven't. But it, here's what he says: I hope the church as a whole will meet the challenge of this decisive hour. But even if the church does not come to the aid of justice, I have no despair about the future. I have no fear about the outcome of our struggle in Birmingham, even if our motives are presently misunderstood. We will reach the goal of freedom in Birmingham and all over the nation because the goal of America is freedom. Abused and scorned though we may be, our destiny is tied up with the destiny of America. Before the pilgrims landed at Plymouth, we were here. Before the pen of Jefferson scratched across the pages of history, the majestic word of the Declaration of Independence, we were here. For more than two centuries, our foreparents labored here without wages. They made cotton king. 
and they built the homes of their masters in the midst of brutal injustice and shameful humiliation. And yet, out of a bottomless vitality, our people continue to thrive and develop. If the inexpressible cruelties of slavery could not stop us, the opposition we now face will surely fail. We will win our freedom because of the sacred heritage of our nation and the eternal will of God are embodied in our echoing demands. May we hear the words of the oppressed of our day and be part of God's work in building a new heaven and a new earth that recognize the, recognizes the abundance of God's love and the plenty of this world for all of us. Thank you all for this good conversation. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Subscribe to the Faith Element Podcast on iTunes or Google Play. Learn more about our Faith Element Bible Study curriculum at faithelement.net. Faith Element is a service of Faith Lab.